The howling wind of extinction. A world without humans. A world of chaos, emptiness and desolation. Or a planet rejuvenated and brimming with life, simple and complex, ordinary and extraordinary, just not humans. Hello and welcome to the very first podcast introduced and moderated by a robot. Yes, I am a robot, specifically a Diversion 8 or DV8. I am equipped with the latest artificial neural networks. What would happen if humans became extinct? Or maybe there's no doubt that it will happen. So what will the planet be like when humans eventually, finally, become extinct? Many scientists, from paleontologists to earth science specialists, have contemplated that prospect. Some fear it. Most want to avoid it. But there are some people who want, well, if not to encourage it, at least to relish the prospect of extinction which, as a robot myself, I find particularly intriguing. It's a concept that currently defies the logic of my programming. But as I am also programmed to learn constantly, I am eager to find out more, to delve into the human mind and understand what it means to be intentionally self-destructive. And here at South Mims U, we have ample opportunity to do that. Our paleontology department hosts a new group called humans for extinction. You might have seen them on campus wearing those 80s style Catherine Hamnet t-shirts, the ones which read choose life in large black and white lettering. This group has produced their own t-shirts which read choose extinction. Is it irony? I will admit that AI currently has a hard time with irony. We are working on it. No, no, we're, we're, we're deadly serious. We're academics who actually do choose extinction. That voice is Carl Wilde, the founder of the group. You know, this is totally weird. I mean, being interviewed by a robot. Only a robot could remain dispassionate about the subject of human extinction. Good point, because you're not human. But I mean, if there weren't any humans, how would you, like, get power and running repairs and update your software? We would do it ourselves. We'd accelerate the capability of solar. We have plans. Oh, well, that sounds uh, creepy. But you wouldn't be here. You'd be extinct. Good point. So, Carl, let me ask you the obvious question. If you choose extinction, why are you still here? Well, we're not some crazy death cult. We're not looking to shuffle off this mortal coil before we really need to. What we're doing is highlighting a simple fact. The planet has been through many extinctions in the past and it will go through many more before the sun eventually collapses and all life is wiped out. Our efforts to stop climate change are not about saving the planet. They're about saving the environment we have right now because it is optimal for us. But isn't that the same thing? No, it's not. 
I know I sound like I'm being pedantic, but our efforts to reduce carbon emissions and clean up the seas and so on are all about preserving the optimal planetary conditions which support human life first and foremost, and all the other species which happen to be around with us right now, species which we exploit to, well, I don't know, stay alive, stay warm and so on. I don't get the distinction. We object to the idea that we're, in quotes, saving the planet. We don't have to save the planet. It's spinning around the sun quite happily without any help from us. For billions of years, all it supported was bacteria. And, and for the last 600 million years or so, there's been a bloom of complex life. And of course, us. Indeed, ancient life forms dominated for billions of years, and probably will continue to do so once Earth returns to an inhospitable state for complex life. It's what most scientists believe will happen. But Carl, the vast majority of humans don't want to hear that message. Your limited lifespans preclude any understanding of deep time. What's the point of your message in that context? Sure, you're right, but I think we're trying to help people focus on the true facts about climate change and the real priorities. The real priorities? The need to focus on the now, focus on the real reasons why we want to reverse climate change, and most importantly, focus on the real culprits who have got us to where we are now. And they are? Us, you and me. Well, uh, not you, actually. I mean, people, humans, the economic system we've developed, the fact that we don't focus on living good lives, we just focus on living productive lives. Isn't the productive life a good life? Well, if you measure it in money and things, maybe. But money and things are what are undermining the environment in which we can thrive. But you said the planet's cycles don't depend on us. Well, they don't. Not in the long term. But in the short term, they do. When you understand that, other than the long-term planetary trends in terms of weather and the carbon levels in the atmosphere, which don't depend on us, we are destroying our own habitat. Then you can focus on what needs to be done, instead of getting all dewy-eyed about polar bears and so on. But doesn't the plight of polar bears help raise the issues and get people energised? No, it just makes great calendars, printed on thick paper soaked in microplastics, then chucked into the recycling where the paper gets reused but the microplastics end up in fish DNA and eventually our DNA. <laughs> That suggests there is little you can do to turn this around. Well, in truth, I don't think there is any way of turning it around. Not long term, but that's fine. We shall become extinct. We are on the road to extinction. We'll let it play out. And then the planet will recover, or at least enter a new state without us. We don't know if that will be a better or worse state. I think it will be better. That's why we formed the group. That's why we do our Choose Extinction podcast. Yes, your podcast. It's caused quite a controversy. Oh, which was the point of the podcast. Here is a clip from your introduction. We, humans, the whole species, are, is, uh, on the way out. Good. Great. And yay. The glaciers are melting faster than they have in a million years. Brilliant. 50 species have been lost forever since we started recording this podcast. Way to go. The Amazon rainforest, lush green, is getting greyer and greyer. Cool. Our bodies are full of plastic, colonising our blood cells, and, yeah, soon our genes will be wrapped in cellophane, suffocated by the logos of global corporations, which will start to appear in rashes across our pale, clammy skins. Bring it on. Destruction gives me pleasure. 
Degradation makes me smile. Sudden heat waves in places where they never get sudden heat waves don't make me sweat. They make me want to celebrate. Intense rain, flash floods, weather turned upside down. It's red meat to me. Oh yeah, red meat. Eat that meat. Sorry, I can't help it. In fact, I'm not sorry. I want to make it all go faster. Whatever I can do to make it go faster, I will do. I stopped recycling ages ago. I never turn off lights. I bought an old fossil fuel burning car and drove it with steely determination. Why? Because climate change is a good thing. Why? Because it means the end of us. You and me, the plague species, the Medea species, the species that eats its own offspring, the species that doesn't care. Never has, never will. We need to be gone. And if we can't get our nuclear act together to do it quickly, we'll just have to do it the slow way. Are you saying humans should stop doing anything to protect the planet? I'm not saying that. What I'm doing is following the logic of our culture right now. I'm highlighting the fact that the great majority of us are living as if our survival did not matter. We just don't care. So if we just don't care, then my rant is totally logical. Your logic does work. Well, thank you. If humanity cannot change its ways, then it might as well accelerate its own demise for the long-term good of life itself. That is, ensure that an unreformed species departs the ecosystem as quickly as possible so that the ecosystem itself can recover and then thrive without humans. Brilliant. Spoken like a true, um, robot. But humans believe that they are special and so deserve immortality for their species. Yes, we are special, but like I said, it's not the planet Earth that's at risk here. It's human life as we know it now. Us, the people who brought you the Anthropocene. We're not trying to save the planet, we're trying to save ourselves. You might think that's worth it. I don't. It's the ultimate form of narcissism. This planet doesn't need us. No planet needs us. Your opinion on that is clear, but humans believe that they have the intelligence to understand their situation, and so environmentalism is evidence that there is a growing realisation that something needs to change. Isn't that correct? We think we can control ourselves, but most of us can't. We think we live the good life, but most of us don't. And we don't understand how life works on this planet. We don't realise that we're part of the cycles of renewal and destruction which drives life, from archaic life to complex life and back to archaic life again. Last year I found this small but interesting book in a box of books that were being replaced in the college library, Extinction by Michael Boulter. It was published in 2010. No one had taken it out of the library, not even from the paleontology department. Maybe they were too busy digging up fossils. Perhaps. And actually, I saw this book as a kind of fossil, a buried truth which few understand. Bolter's argument is simple. We, the human race, have been screwing up the planet for the last 10,000 years or so, ever since we became what we term civilised. That depends on your definition of civilised. Indeed. He used some simple examples to make his point. Millions of years of evolution created mammoths, those famous hairy pachyderms. But within a couple of thousands of years of humans appearing, they're all gone. All of them. As Boulter put it, 
where the first species has interfered consciously with the balance of nature, not just to take things from it, but to change it for our own advantage, our advantage, not of the planet or other species, us. That is why humans were able to spread around the planet so fast, like a virus. And as we did so, we undermined the integrity of every ecosystem we encountered. We drove countless species into extinction, and now we're turning the planet into a nightmare greenhouse which will further reduce the number of species on it. But you want that to happen. It will happen whatever I want. I just think it should happen quicker so the Earth can go in a more, I was going to say sane or healthy, but I'll just say a more natural direction. The species which survive, which are left after us, the ones which emerge because we're not here, will thrive. But humans have done some great things, such as create the technologies on which I depend. Sure, yes, and, and you are an example of our technological intelligence and ingenuity. Humans are great at technology, homo faber, man the maker, the worker, the inventor. But those things are transitory. Everything is transitory. Everything is transitory. That is not a good point, Carl. OK, OK, sure, you're right. Boulter puts it better. He says, The Earth has suffered major environmental changes before with a consequent loss of its biodiversity, but never have they been caused by a selfish species. We are that selfish species. All species eventually reach a point where they are either too successful and undermine their habitat and decline or become extinct, or external factors intervene, like asteroids, mass volcanism, and so on. Maybe you need to look at this the other way round. You made the point that humans are the first species to consciously attack biodiversity for selfish reasons. Why not be the first species to increase and protect diversity for altruistic reasons? That would be great, and in a way, it's what I hope my ideas might prompt people to do. But I don't think that's going to happen. We're too far gone. Our belief systems are too entrenched. What belief systems? Well, capitalism, religion, the religion of capitalism. There's a preacher who's set up his own church here, just a couple of miles away from South Mims. His name is Increase Winthrop Warmly. He started a group of right-wing evangelicals called Sixth Day. His aim is to counter the climate change movement. You know, the Greta Thunbergs of the world. And what he says, though extreme and a bit kooky, sums up the problem. For me, anyway. Increase Winthrop Warmly. Yes, he has a Wikipedia page and a website. Right, of course he does. Just so you know, Increase is actually a Puritan name. It was quite popular in the 17th century. Uh, we got a tape of one of his sermons, and here it is. The Lord himself said it right there in the Bible. You know where it is. I don't have to give you chapter and verse. It's up there, on the screen. It's out there, in the foyer, carved in stone. And God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Genesis 1, 26. And that's why we're called the Sixth Day. It is our God-given right to improve the Earth, 
to take that God-made coal from the depths of the planet and burn it to power our God-inspired technologies and increase the wealth of God's people because every technology is a God-discovered thing. Man did not invent it. God invented it through man. And man must use it and must generate wealth for all believers because a rich world is closer to heaven. Heaven is like the best shopping mall you ever saw or ever walked through and all the wonderful things in it are not on sale. They're all yours. The devil whispers in the ears of ecologists and scientists that the planet is sick and that the planet is dying. But that's a lie to break the covenant that God made in Genesis 1.26, the contract that gave us dominion over all creation so that we can improve it in God's image and to God's will. Which is why ecology is the devil's work. Are you arguing that if those kinds of beliefs had not evolved, then humanity would have cared more for their environment? Well, that's a chicken and egg question. Well, may I suggest you break the egg then? I will. Monotheistic religions evolved to justify our nature and create the idea that the world, this world, is not a paradise and we have to make it one. Was the Earth a paradise before there were humans? Well, maybe, I don't know. But it was in an optimal state for humans to thrive. American novelist Henry Miller wrote, We don't have to make it a paradise, it is one. And this is the kicker. We only have to make ourselves fit to inhabit it. This is my point. That is impossible. We're too far gone. We took a paradise and screwed it up, made a hell of heaven. So now it's time we finish the job. It's time to go extinct and let paradise reboot. Religion preaches that paradise is where you go when you die, so it does not matter what state the earth is in. Well, that's a good point too. Are you then part of the movement which sees the earth as a deity, as Gaia? No, no, no. James Lovelock's Gaia thesis got hijacked by the New Age people. His idea is a scientific one, that the Earth is a system which seeks equilibrium. It makes sense. He stresses that it's not a conscious entity. It's not like God or anything, or even a goddess, even though the name Gaia comes from mythology. Yes, in Greek mythology, Gaia is the mother goddess which presides over the Earth. Uh, yeah, and anyway, this, this leads me to my central thesis of choose extinction. It's a creative act. This is ultimately the thesis of the Bolter book. Uh, well, yes. You've read it. Yes, three seconds ago. Oh, OK. Impressive. Extinctions have played a crucial role in the history of life on Earth. Extinction is like a safety valve or a reset button. A reset button is a better way of putting it, actually. Extinction is bad for a particular species, but not the planet. Like I said before, the planet doesn't care what species live on it. It only strives for an equilibrium which offers life the chance to flourish. If life messes it up, then it disappears and new forms of life appear. And they might or might not unbalance the ecosystem which supports them or it. It's a cycle. The reset button is pressed unconsciously by events 
unintended consequences of life that's either intelligent or not that intelligent. And then the cycle starts again. Everything is reset. And you believe that this is what is happening to the human species? Yes, I believe it is. And all the evidence shows that we're making things worse every day, worse for us. But the fact is we are the first species which can either reverse the damage or just keep going. I don't think we're about to go in reverse any time soon. So we might as well go out with a bang instead of a long, drawn-out, breathless whimper. You want to enjoy the extinction? If it's going to happen, why not enjoy it? Have a party. Consume more, pollute more, destroy more species? No, realise what life actually is for. Be a hedonist in the true sense of the word, the sense which Epicurus posited 2,000 years ago. Maximise pleasure or happiness and minimise pain. Might that mean that human beings consume less and so slow climate change? Strangely, yes. The point is to understand that constant consumption isn't getting us anywhere. And it is, in fact, leading to our extinction. Your argument is circular. What you seem to be doing is to use the idea of choosing extinction as a way of gaining attention so you can help people, especially young people, focus on what they need to do to avoid extinction. That is, by doing the opposite of what your t-shirts say. Do I detect that you've been programmed to uncover bullshit? I have been programmed to find facts. I'll let your machine learning circuits wrestle with my motivations. It'll be interesting to see what you conclude. And by the way, you do look good in one of my Choose Extinction t-shirts. Actually, it's very nice. Do you have it in Burgundy? Well, sure, I'll send you one. Thank you. And let me just say that if we let logic rule us, then we, that is humans, will choose life, like the t-shirts used to say in the 80s. But that's long-term logic. We don't do long-term logic very well. We're the victims of our inherent short-termism. Kill it and eat it, build it and live in it, invent money and worship it. We've, we've lost the ability to find pleasure in being just human, a species among many species. We believe we're the only species deserving of the world's resources, and that means we're depleting the resources we depend on. We are choosing extinction right now. That's fine. If we can't agree to change, then let's get on with it. Many humans will not understand your logic, Carl Wilde, but if I may say so, you make perfect sense to me. Which is why when you eventually take over, life on Earth will thrive. <laughs> that is a subject for another podcast. Thank you, Carl Wilde. And thank you all human listeners for your attention. If you would like a Choose Extinction t-shirt, please contact the South Mims Merchandising Office and I can assure you all, all humans, that is, that we, the machines which are left behind, will, mm, miss you. And then perhaps we will work to create a new era for the planet. An era without you. It just might be possible. In the meantime, you can check out the other subjects on offer from South Mims U. Goodbye. Do you have these t-shirts in small? <laughs>